Hi and welcome to the Chad Show podcast. I'm Chad, your host. We are going to listen to a special program right now. I hope you are blessed by these programs. You can find me on your favorite podcast platform. You can find access to them to these podcasts on Google Podcasts, the Anchor app, Spotify, and on YouTube. I will link each in the description box below. All you need to do is to type in the search bar of Google and type in the Chat Show Podcast. Alright, now let's go to the podcast and I'll see you there. Aloha. Be mindful of that. So, uh, so folks, uh, this is a continuation of the theme of uh, how we are transformed by the Holy Spirit. We started it last week. This is part two of this series. Um, and uh, I just like to, uh, you know, um, say that. You know, I, I've included this set of slides here, so when you send it out, uh, you know, uh, people can kind of know how we approach Bible study and why we approach it the way that we do. And, you know, as we know, the, we follow the Berean model. Uh, they will not leave anything unless it's double-checked by, by uh, the Holy Spirit, these writings in the Bible. Amen? Uh, Amen. That's the Berean model that we have. So we're following the Berean model in the Bible study. Um, and also, we believe that the Bible, when it says that Bible study is profitable for four things, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction of instruction in righteousness. Um, and then we're guided by what the uh, spirit of prophecy tells us about Bible study. And then, you know, the knowledge and acceptance of his teachings will impart what? Vigor and health of mind. Comprehension of his teachings requires the student to grasp the knowledge of God's infinite will. The word of God teaches men and women how to become sons and daughters of God. There's no way we can become children of God unless we grasp the truth and obey the truth that are being dissipated through the word of God. Amen. And then uh, she continues. This is from letter 64, 1909. She says, the principles that the Bible instills, like the power and nature of its author, the Holy Spirit, are omnipotent. It is capable of imparting the highest education to which the mortal mind can attain. Highest education. And we are told that when we study the Bible, we've got to study it very, very deeply and determinedly. We're told here by Ellen G. White to the writings in the youth instructor, rein the mind up to the high task that is set before it. Bible study requires us to rein the mind up, meaning the mind has to be uh, tempered, the mind has to be under control, the mind has to be disciplined. And we must study it with a determined interest, with a heart and mind that wants to learn more, that we may understand divine truth. Because after all, truth that is coming from this book is not human. 
is divine. Amen? So it requires this kind of determination for us to grasp what the Bible is trying to tell us. You know, and by, by the way, the Holy Spirit is teaching us here. And we are also told that in Steps to Christ is great for things here that we should study the Bible for ourselves. Don't allow, do not allow others to do our thinking for us. Because if mm. we do, then our energies will be crippled and our abilities will be contracted. Mm. We are changing ourselves. Amen? Mm. And so, folks, uh, that's what, that's why the, the, this whole Bible study is structured along these lines. I'm, in other words, when I come up with a study, I'm mindful of what we've just gone through. And folks, uh, I know all of you have, but um, if you haven't, I know anyone who's going to join us, forward them the uh, email address or send me their email address so that I can send them the notes uh, as our sister lay. Uh, I, I just Imagine. couldn't her. I was like, who is this? And I was like checking. Uh, <laughs> and I was, you know, because she, I thought she was going to contact me by email, but obviously maybe she didn't have my email. So, anyway, I'll uh, appreciate and I just, it. I just sent it to you, John. Oh, okay. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. So, uh, Mikey, waiting for you to come. Thank you for joining us. And um, Carol and Chad, uh, so let's bow our heads forward before we begin this study. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we entreat thee, O Lord, to grant, grant us the agency, the gift of the Holy Spirit, Father, so that he may teach us, guide us into thy truth, so that, Father, we may be able to understand it according to your will, share it effectively to others, Lord, and most importantly, Lord, to obey your word exactly and with joy. This is our desire this afternoon. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Continuing on on our study, Transformed by the Spirit. Uh, let's look at what Paul is saying. We've probably read this, but let's revisit it. What is Paul saying in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20? And King James basically is telling us our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Okay. I mean, Paul doesn't even wanna, didn't even want to uh, explain how. He just says, remember this, <laughs> your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. You know, Paul doesn't even want to bother, waste his time arguing about how this came about. But he's just telling us this truth here. He says, your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and it's not your own. <laughs> Paul is just, uh, but when you read 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, why, why did Paul uh, make this kind of strong statement here? Anyone? What was Paul, what was the main issue that Paul was addressing that made him say this? Um, was it fornication? Absolutely. Fornication. Mm -hmm. That was the issue. Now, if you read through the sticks, uh, and Corinthians were, I mean, they had this reputation. They were loose. They will lose. That community will lose. Uh, and Paul is just telling them, how can you be doing this? Why are you 
using your body, you know, in this unholy way. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. It should not be used this way. It's not even your own to use this way, according to what you want to do. I mean, Paul is coming at them hard. Then he says, you were bought with a price. That's why it's no longer yours. What is the price? Glorify God in your body. You know, those of us who've been studying the Bible a while will know that as soon as Paul says glorify God in your body, Paul is saying here, you should be reflecting the divine nature. Cut off mm-hmm. Right away. We, we cut through the web and go right to the <laughs> to the you know the bottom line of what Paul is saying, right? Divine nature. Right now you're showing me animal carnal nature. Mm. No, it should be divine nature. Glorify God in your body. In your spirit, which are God's. Wow. So here we are saying that, uh, you know, in my prayer I said, look, Heavenly Father, please, in Jesus' name, I ask that you will grant us the agency of the Holy Spirit. Huh? And here we're saying the Holy Spirit is not a stranger. It should not be a stranger to, to our bodies because it's his. Kind of reminds me of Revelation chapter 1. Right? Revelation chapter 1. It says there that so, you know, in, in the beginning of Revelation chapter 1, we see Christ in, you know, the, the, uh, in the temple, us. Right? And then we come to Revelation chapter 3. He's knocking, he's outside now, he's knocking, trying to come back in. <laughs> we have a habit of throwing God outside of our lives. Not that God wants to leave. We do that. Paul is saying, whoa, check yourselves. He owns you. You owe it to him. But God is so loving, he will not force any of us. That's why he's the way that he is. That's why we can have the freedom to even disobey him because of that great love of his. Because he cannot, he cannot force anyone. That's not his way. He does not force. He leads by example. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Your body and your spirit are God's. What power is needed for character building? You know? So obviously here, this is, it's an amazing thing that is happening. That uh, We have a problem. We have a problem. We have to be a certain temple, but we are not. And Paul is reminding us in First Corinthians, First Corinthians chapter six, verses nineteen and twenty. We should be. We should be a temple of the Holy Ghost. We should be. We should realize that we are owned by Him. How can we do this? Given this, the uh, strong tendency for us, strong carnal tendency for us, to rebel against. This is what Sister White says. A power above and outside of man is required to work upon him. We need a power from above and outside of us. 
that solid timbers, so here's the allegory of us being a temple of building, so that solid timbers may be brought into his character building. This power from above and outside of us is required so that we can be rebuilt into, once again, the temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Very important, we have to realize that the power that is required is not within us. We cannot do it ourselves. She continues, Ellen G. White, she says, in the inner sanctuary of the soul, your soul and my soul, the presence of God is to abide. That's where God should be present. Now, this is amazing. And Moses, God revealed Moses, revealed himself to Moses through the burning bush. Here, Paul is saying, no, not just the burning bush. It should be in us. Now we can understand why those, remember those guys that were walking with Jesus when Jesus on his, uh, the road to Emmaus? And then uh, what did they say? It's like a fire burning in us when he was speaking. Yes. This, is, uh, this is it. When the Holy Spirit touches our lives, folks, the burning bush is no longer outside, it's in, within us. The heart. Oh. within. And, you know, uh, I've heard people say this a long time, and I've, I've felt it too, but it's only amazing me when people say, man, it felt warm inside of that message. Mm. <laughs> better be, there's a fire in there, man. <laughs> there's better be. Mm. That's from the Review and Herald, October 25th, 1892. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 6, 16, continuing this mode here. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Here's Paul continuing his... his uh, discourse on the importance of us keeping this body holy it's a vessel rod you know he says what what agreement has the temple of god with idols for ye are the temple of the living god and god that said i will dwell in them and walk in them and i will be their god and they shall be my people see unfortunately a lot of us when we say that our temple is the uh, our, our body is the temple of the holy spirit we restrict the application to just temperance, to the temperance teaching. It goes beyond that. It is definitely temperance, healthy living, but it's more spiritual living, spiritual health. But it's beginning from inside. We don't become spiritual by trying to live right. No, we live right because we are spiritual. Yeah. You've got to get it right. You've got to get the right order. Spirit has to dwell in us for us to be able to live according to what the Spirit wants. First Corinthians 3, 16 and 17, Paul says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. We should be holy, abodes for the spirit. And folks, that is the key to sanctification. Sanctification is only possible when we have a holy inside. 
holy heart. You see, a lot of us have been trying to live right. And that's that's a great exercise. But folks, you'll, it's just like the windmill. You're spinning your wheels. Unless the Holy Spirit reigns inside and rules inside. That's the only way that we can be conquerors. That's the only way we can leave the last outside and become and then partake of the divine nature. Amen. 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 When uh, you said it leads up to, was that righteousness? Or well, you know, we um, bring in sanctification here, which is righteousness in us, not righteousness okay. for us. Okay, righteousness for us is justification. Righteousness in us is sanctification, and 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 we know how hard it is. We know how hard it is, how often we've fallen. Just when we think we are going, we're doing right, we trip up. The, the, and the smallest things can trip us up. Mm. Just one wrong wrong look from your spouse can trip you off. One misplaced word, one missing comma. <laughs> it's so easy. <laughs> right? huh? we, we, we take off and go off on a tangent. But see, the key is this. We've been trying to live right the wrong way by behaving right. We live right by being right inside. Behaving, yeah. behaving right is the fruit, the result of having the right inside. And the right inside is has to be controlled by whoever is dwelling in there and it should be the spirit of God because he says, I belong there. That's my temple. That's my house. Will you let me come in and clean it up so that it truly becomes my house? Amen. 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 Okay, yep. Ephesians 2 18 and 19. For through him we both, Paul says, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Okay. Through Jesus. We have access by one spirit, the Holy Spirit, unto the Father. Only way we can have access to the Father is through Jesus and by the Holy Spirit. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners. When the Holy, the same Holy Spirit resides in each of our hearts, we will automatically be drawn to one another. We become fellow citizens. You will see things in others that you like and you would love to be in the company of others who are similarly controlled by the Holy Spirit inside as you are. And therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God. Here's a key to keeping a church group together teach everyone to submit their lives to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will do the rest. You know, we as uh, island people, we love getting together. Amen. We, we love getting together. We, we do a good job of getting together. Uh, you know, potluck. Uh, we, uh, nobody comes close to us when it comes to that. Mm. Huh? 
uh, birthday parties, weddings. Nobody comes close to us. Pacific Islanders are top of the heap of this. And I, I see Pacific Islanders as well as the Asians. You know, this, all, the air, all, the, all the nations that are, uh, are touched by the Pacific Ocean have this thing in them. But I tell you what, though, folks, unless the Holy Spirit resides in every one of us, there is only going our own different ways. Mm. Unity, you know, we work so hard on unity. Wrong way. The methodology is get the Holy Spirit into every one of us. That's a key. That is a key. We must focus on that. In our sermons, in our Bible studies, drive this truth that the Holy Spirit must be in control of each and every one of us individually. Unity comes automatically. Because those who are similarly owned and controlled by the Holy Spirit will also similarly love one another and similarly be forgiving to one another, helping one another, one another, praying for one another, and And here Paul hits with verse 20 of Ephesians 2. And are, as we, are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. The word, okay, that's really the word. The apostles and the prophets, the word, of which the cornerstone is who? Jesus Christ himself. The cornerstone, that is, without the cornerstone, the building cannot stand. Without the cornerstone, the building will not be square. Without the cornerstone, the, the building cannot be vertically correct. Cornerstone guides us into this, all these dimensions. It all comes from the cornerstone. The cornerstone of the Bible is the word, the person. Jesus Christ. Verse 21 and 22. In whom all the building, huh, fitly framed together, grows unto a holy temple in the Lord. Fitly framed together. And the Holy Spirit is inside. Everything about our body, our lives, is squared out. Squared out. Something missing from your life? Check. Who's, who's in control of the inside? Gotta be the Holy Spirit. Let him, let him be in control. In whom ye also are built together for habitation of God through the Holy Spirit. Verse 22. Is unity. He also are built together. As the Holy Spirit is working on Simola, also working on Eileen, working on me, working on Keala, Lori, Chad, Carol, Mike. And because you are all individually controlled by the Holy Spirit, we fit together. Unity comes automatically as a result. You know, I, I, uh, I, I uh, sympathize with those who, and some of them, some folks have given their lives to try and bring unity amongst people in, in God's church. You know, and they're the, they're the kindest of all of people. They're the most patient, most forgiving, most most forbearing. 
I mean, they, they, they love the church, God's church, so much. They do, do anything to bring about unity. I had to pull somebody like that aside and I said, you know, bro, may the Lord bless you for your heart. <laughs> but the key to what you're trying to achieve is the Holy Spirit in each of us individually. The same Holy Spirit. That's the key. Mm. The reason we are not uniting is because you may have the Spirit, but the one who you're wanting to unite with you may not have the Spirit. So he will not like what you like. It's impossible for someone to like something if the Holy Spirit, some, something that another person likes, who is governed and controlled and owned and ruled by the Holy Spirit, when he himself is not ruled by the Holy Spirit. Impossible. Their tastes are different. Their priorities are different. Folks, even their choice of words is different. Somebody has got to ask me, why do you say choice of words, John? Have you read Isaiah 58, 13? What does it say? If you keep what? There's the next word after that. <laughs> keep thy foot. Oh, from. Away from the Sabbath. Sabbath, yeah. And doing your, doing own, your own pleasure. Yeah. On my holy day. Keep on going. What does it say? And shall I. And she delight or something? Right, delight. Delight. Um, rats. Forgot. And call it a delight. Right? Call it a delight. The holy of the Lord. Yeah. Honorable, and shall honor him. And not doing what? Your own pleasure. Your own pleasure. What's the last one? Your own work is on my steps. Folks. Even the words speak are owned by God when it's, when it's in our hearts. Even the very words we speak. Someone got baptized once and, uh, and a young guy, very, I knew he was, he was on fire for the Lord. He said, man, I, 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 I want to be able to preach. <laughs> I told him, bro, you may know what to preach, but you're not ready yet because you do not know how to preach. What I meant was, let the, let the Holy Spirit guide your words. Because if you know the truth and the Holy Spirit does not guide your, your words, you'll say the truth wrongly and it'll fall on deaf ears. It might even strike you the wrong way because you don't know, do not know what to say. Speaking thy own words, <laughs> God said. Huh? So what is required of man in this character building? So we know that character building is required. We need the Holy Spirit apart from outside of us, and that's the Holy Spirit. So what is required of us after this power comes? Man does not build himself into a habitation for the spirit, but unless there is cooperation of man's will, 
with God's will, the Lord cannot, can do nothing for him. Isn't that amazing? As powerful as and omnipotent as our God is, unless there is cooperation of man's will with God's will, the Lord can do nothing for him. You know that God's will is for us to be saved. God's will is for us to be like his son Jesus in every way in character. That's God's will. God's will has never changed. But how about our will? Will our will we cooperate our will with God's will? That's what Alan Dewey is telling us. The human agent must cooperate with the divine worker, capital D, capital W, that's the Holy Spirit, or the heavenly building cannot be completed, as being the temple of the Holy Spirit. The human agent must cooperate. Man's cooperation with the agency of the Holy Spirit is absolutely a must before our character can be rebuilt to reflect the character of Jesus. All the power is of God and all the glory is to redound to God and yet all the responsibility rests with the human agent. The keys are with us. Will we cooperate or not? God is willing and ready. But will we cooperate or not? For God can do nothing without the cooperation of man. Isn't that isn't that the saddest truth there is? As loving and as willing as God is, He cannot He can do nothing without our without our cooperation. If we do not want to be saved, no amount of the love of God can save us. Saddest truth. Yeah. And isn't this like showing his love too, like to give us the choice to do that instead of like forcing us? I absolutely can. But you know, as parents, man, when we see our kids doing something that Number one, we did not teach to do, right? And this okay, and, and, and I, I have to just surrender to God and say, Lord, please help out. I know you love him more than I do. If anyone can save him, it's you, not me. I'd probably get in the way. It's, uh, can you imagine how painful it is for God to watch? For as much as he loves us, that we elect to do what is directly against his will for us. Absolutely, it's love, but painful love. Painful to be watching with eyes of love. Yeah, amen. For God can do nothing without the cooperation of man. Review and Herald, October 25th, 1892. Amen. Amen. Does God require. Amen. God has the power and agency of the Holy Spirit, so that He may rebuild us into the character to, from inside out, so that we may have the divine nature. But it's, what is still required from us is our cooperation. cooperation. If not, the Holy Spirit cannot do anything. For God can do nothing without a cooperation. Sad as truth. But man 
you know, do you know how many people are going to go down that path? They just don't want to cooperate with God. Continuing our study, clay in the hands of the Father. What should we pray to the Lord for during these last days? What do you think? What do you think should be, what's the most needed prayer now? Any thoughts? I think the Holy Spirit to pour down upon us. Okay. Um, so how will, what is, why is the Holy Spirit not falling upon us? Or like that. Go on. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, I mean, the Holy Spirit is here ever since Jesus has ascended and he was, uh, you know, he was inaugurated in heaven. But I think the latter, you know, like how the latter reign of the Holy Spirit, I think the reason why it hasn't fallen upon us is it maybe because we haven't come together as a body or there isn't full surrender. I mean, speaking from a personal experience, I still, I'm still surrendering every day. And I think yeah. everyone does that, yeah. uh, then it may fall heavily upon us. Amen. Amen. Um, anyone else? Any thoughts? What should we pray for? What's the most important need for prayer in these last days? Sorry, uh, say that again. Change your heart. Change our hearts. Amen. Amen. You know, one time, she was writing. She, she stopped writing. She was filled with such sadness. She had to pray for this thing that we need to pray for. Let's, you know, let's see what she says here. She's basically saying, and these are the texts that guided her to, to pray the, the prayer that she prayed. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. I mean, you mean to sense what's happening here? What's the what's malady? What's the sickness here? Asleep spiritually. Falling asleep. Eh? Falling asleep in position as a sentinel, you, as a guard, you're falling asleep on, on your post. Amen? Yeah. Here, First Peter 4, 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore, what? Sober, watch unto prayer. So some of us may not be asleep. Some of us are not sober. What does it mean to be sober, spiritually speaking? No, this comes from the Greek word that means to be of a sound mind. Actually, to mean self-control. Temperance. <laughs> the reason some of us are not sober is because maybe we are not as temperate as we should be. Mm. Mm. That's, that's the, the Greek word from there. It's uh, sophroneo. That means to be of sound mind to exercise self-control. So here we come to what Ella Duart says after being driven by those two verses. 
She said, I laid down my pen. She was writing. You know, she was in a prolific writing. She said, I laid down my pen and lift up my soul in prayer that the Lord would breathe upon his, what did she call us? What did she call us? Backslidden people. <laughs> Which I as dry bones. Whoa. Story of the Old Testament, the dry bones, the dry bones, that they may live. She's saying, she's seeing God's backslidden people sliding on their way to death. Mm. I'm, I'm praying, Lord, please breathe on them so that they may live. The end is near. Stealing upon us so, so steadily, stealthily, so imperceptibly, so noiselessly, like a muffled tread of the thief in the night to surprise the sleepers of God and unread. If there's anything we need to pray for, folks, is to, for us, gospel, to wake up from our spiritual slumber. I mentioned last week that it is so, so easy for us to plateau off and think that we are doing fine. The moment we're not growing, we're done. There's no flat, no, no. There's no flat line. Only flat line is the flat line that, you know, when we die, that's the only flat line. Other than that, no. If you're not growing, you're, you're, you're diminished. The end is near. Stealing upon us so stealthily, like the muffled tread of the thief in the night, to surprise the sleepers of God and unready. May the Lord grant to bring, it comes again, who, apart from on high, from our side, the Holy Spirit upon the hearts that are now at ease. What sort of hearts? The hearts that are now at ease, relaxing, false comfort, sense of comfort, that they may no longer sleep as do others, but do what? Watch and be so. Watch and be self-controlled. Watch and be tempted. The General Conference Daily Bulletin, February 4th, 1890. She wrote that back in 1893, and I bet if she was alive today, she'd be praying this prayer even more now, faster. She could see what was happening. In, she's not looking outside the church, folks. She's looking in God's church. And she's seeing this. When I read this, folks, it applies to me. I don't look at anybody else. I'm sleeping when I should be awake, studying the Word of God. I'm, I'm sleeping when I should be out, doing, helping others, guiding them, witnessing to them. At every opportunity, I come across anybody, no matter where I'm at, I should be sharing the Word of God. Amen. 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 Pretty strong words from Ellen. Amen. Unfortunately, still very, 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 very relevant to today's times. Written back in 1893. 129 years ago. And still as fresh and as relevant as ever. So what is the message of Jeremiah 18? 
4 to 6. Jeremiah 18, 4. And the vessel that he made of clay was mine in the hand of the potter. So he made it again, another vessel, and seemed good to the potter to make it. What's, uh, what process is Jeremiah talking about? What do, what do uh, you know, uh, potters do when they make pots? Is this the sanctification process? Okay, but I'm just looking at the, 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 the making of... They of shape pot, uh, They shape the clay. Did you write my getting there? But what is, what's the process here? What, what does a potter do? If, has anyone watched a potter at work? Yeah, they reshape the the clay or the the lump okay. of clay they have. Okay, so what what are they? How can they tell when things are not quite right? So what are they looking for when they, you know the thing is spinning right as they right. the hand right? What are they looking for in anything that they make? Symmetry. Yeah. Symmetry. Because if it's Unsymmetric, she can, they can tell by spinning it that it's, it's leaning to one side. So that's what they do. And so when it's unsymmetrical, they'll redo it. So the, here's Jeremiah. The Lord is talking to the words of Jeremiah, saying to them, Haven't you seen the potter? Even they, when they're not pleased with, with, with their own work, right? With their own work. Nobody else did it. They, they did it, right? It's not as if somebody came in and stuck a thing when he was making it. He himself. And he did it, and it's not quite right. He'll remake it, he'll redo it. He says, so he made it again, another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. And here's what God is trying to drive at. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I, can I not do with you as this potter? The only difference is, I didn't make you bad, but I want to make you good. <laughs> he says, I like the product. And I don't like the finished product. Not my hands. But guess what? I want to be like the potter. As the clay is in the potter's hand, so I in my hand. Oh, how's it? He says, I want to remake you, but not with my hands. And you know, my hands never makes a mistake. But you know the key here, folks? The potter has to be, has to be the, the, the potter has to, can only work with things that are soft, that are malleable. Hard-heartedness, pig-headedness, stubbornness, holier than thou, all those things, hard for the potter to work with. That's God's appeal to the words of Jeremiah. He says, you've seen how potters work. They make their own, they make the mistakes and, and they want, they know that they made a mistake and they want to make it better. Why don't you allow me to make you better than what you found yourself in? Just like the potter. But remember, if I'm the potter, you got to be malleable. You got to be workable. Back to what we learned before. You got to cooperate with me, right? The clay cooperates with the potter by being soft. That's the only way the clay can be made by the potter to what the potter wants to make it into. The clay has to be soft. 
So this is why Ellen G. White says this. Who will consent even now? Who will come to me malleable like this, like this claim? After wasting so much of his lifetime. See? So who made us bad works of, of, of pottery? Us. Not God. Our choices in life. Wasting much of this, his lifetime to give his will as clay into the hands of the potter. And cooperate with God in becoming in his hands molded unto what? A vessel unto honor. Praise be to God. No matter what our differing histories are, no matter what our pasts are, the great part of capital P in heaven, through the agency of the Holy Spirit, wants to work us into vessels of our recreators hands. What we need to do is to be like clay, malleable in his hands. Submit and surrender, daily surrender, dying to self daily. Oh, how must the clay be in the hands of the Father? Are susceptible to receive divine impressions, standing in the bright beams of righteousness. No earthly, no selfish motives should be suffered to live. For if you give them place, you cannot be tuned into the divine image. The clay becomes soft when it starts to get rid of all selfish motives. All earthly priorities. Not do away with it. You just got to realize that when we need to prioritize things, God should always come first. Seek ye, what's the word? The kingdom of God. Yeah, what's the word that comes up? Seek ye? First. Right? First. Oh, yeah. So that means that they are second and third. It didn't say seek ye only. See, priority is, a lot of people say this, oh, so God is saying, I got it, it's well, not my way. No, 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 God is saying, you got to put things in the right priority. Him first. Other things will come. In fact, he'll take care of other things for you. No earthly, no selfish motives should be suffered to live. For if you give them place, you cannot be hewn into the divine image. You got to understand this thing carefully. We're not, we still have responsibilities in this world, but those responsibilities must be subject, must be subjugated to below the priority of seeking first the kingdom. I, you know, I, I, uh, I told a pastor this once, I said, Pastor, you've said this thing so many times, I don't think you really understand what this thing is saying. When you say seek you first, it means it's a second and third, or even fourth. It's not doing away with the second and third and fourth. He's just saying, first is first. He looked at me and said, man, you're right. I've been, <laughs> I've been treating it as if this is the only thing we seek for, right? <laughs> Folks, the Bible is amazing. When you read it carefully, and you realize, wow, <laughs> God is so loving. God allows us for, you know, the things that, you know, other things in this life. But they've got to be subjugated to come below in priority to seeking the kingdom first. Amen. 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 The spirit of truth 
sanctifies us all. Here's what you said there, Mikey. Sanctification it is, but the sanctification comes only when we surrender our life completely to the Holy Ghost. Amen? That's from the General Conference Daily Bulletin, February 4, 1893. So, what is, the, what is the result of being molded by God? Can anyone tell us? If we surrender like, like clay, be molded, what's the, what's, the, what's the result? The divine image. Divine image. Divine image. When the greatness of this work is comprehended, it will bring even the thoughts into captivity to Christ. This is beyond our private comprehension, but thus it will be. Even when we cannot understand where God, how high God wants to take us, believe it, because He will take us. I mean, I keep on wondering today, not where I'm going, but how did I even get here? First place. I don't deserve to be here right now, and I'm still growing. Definitely, a lot of way to go. But that's the way it is. He said, beyond our perfect comprehension, but thus it will be. Then, is it wisdom on our part to put dependence on our own works? Ellen, you are saying, be careful. Don't depend on your own works. Surrender completely. Let the bottom mold you. His hands are perfect. We must let God work for us. Is there any excellency? that appears in our characters or our conduct? Does it originate with finite human beings? No. It is all from God. The great center of expression of the power of the potter of the clay. Let the potter have power over the clay, not the clay. Amen? Amen. The finished work, the divine nature of God, the divine nature of Christ being imparted to us, that is now righteousness in us. Sanctification can only come if the clay submits to the potter. And in these last days, folks, the potter is the Holy Spirit. It's the one that does this work. If we submit, surrender to the Holy Spirit, yes, Praise be to God. We will be like Christ according to his divine character. Questions? Comments? That is good. Amen. Yeah. All the time is good. Yeah. Any comments, folks? Jim, do you want to add any comments? Mikey, Laurie. I love the analogy, John, that uh, you used on the potter, how we have to be soft, you know, the clay, the clay that is. Mm -hmm. And uh, and uh, we know. In order for the clay to be soft, the potter throws water on it. Mm -hmm. And I, I just think about the water of the Holy Spirit. 
how that has to be a part in our life in order for God to mold us. Absolutely. Uh, man, that's, that's deep. That's powerful. Powerful. It's a pot on the clay, I'm telling you. It's, a, it's incredible. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, and, and the, the amazing thing is the regeneration is very similar to the first creation. Hmm. Very similar. With his hands, right? And he brings into it. Hmm. On clay. Creation and regeneration, very similar. They both can only work when the clay 100% surrenders into the hands of the potter. The potter was called the creator in Genesis. Now in the, in the New Testament, he's called the potter. And the difference is that the potter is working with some damaged goods. <laughs> but for the damn is good to be partake of the divine nature, it's still got to be like the clay in the in creation. One hundred percent surrender. Mm. Only then. Oh. Only then. Amen. Can the potter achieve the same thing that was achieved by the creator. So that at the end of it all, and behold, everything was very good. Mm. Amen? Amen. Amen. Any other thoughts? Any other questions? Um, yeah, I know uh, God's been working in my in my heart and helped me realize that uh, I mentioned last week I was struggling with something and I was still kind of struggling with it. But that verse you you gave, you know, we do everything for the glory of God, and I kind of made it about like the person who had asked me to do something that, mm -hmm. you know, I was offended by them and I was having a hard time uh, wanting to do what they asked. And then I realized it's not about them. It's more like me and my relationship with God and, yeah. and doing it, you know, for him, for his glory. And mm -hmm. also like how Christ, when he was struggling in Gethsemane, and he said, not my will, but your will be done. Like, yeah. I just realized that that's the key to success, you know. It's, it's always been, it's not what I want to do, but what God placed me here to do is his will. So, yeah. It's, uh, I'm, um, I gotta choose this word correctly, but I cannot find a better word. I'm embarrassed by God's love. Because I know I don't deserve it. I mean, this. Sometimes the path that He chooses for us may not seem the right one given, given our circumstances given our determination to get from point a to point b right and say lord please get me to point b and it seems as if the lord is not listening to us but he is he's telling you no b is not the right place for you to go 
in the Caribbean Sea. <laughs> right? And it takes surrender to realize that the Lord is telling you, no, that's not the right one. And I keep on going back to this thing here. Sometimes we do not know what to ask for the Holy Spirit. With mourning and uttering that is beyond comprehension. Praise on our behalf because we do not know what to pray for. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He, he even prays on our behalf when we pray for the wrong things. This is the part of, this is the part that we are dealing with folks. Let us be malleable like completely you know truth, completely surrender, complete surrender. Let us be malleable in his hands so that he can impart the divine nature of Christ into us. And that'll be our study next week, how we get to that divine nature, how we get that divine nature. How the Holy Spirit does that for us. Already beginning the thought process of it. Pray for me as I prepare this stuff. Amen. 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 Great. Any questions? Amen. Comments? Uh, last question? No? I hope I didn't mislead anyone or didn't confuse anyone. I tend to speak fast when I'm excited about the study. But uh, I pray, and I pray that uh, if there's any shortfall in my delivery, my uh, transfer of the, of the my attempt to transfer this knowledge to you that the Holy Spirit will make up the difference. Amen. So let us pray. Uh, Kayla, please close it with the word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of your Holy Spirit and how you want to shape us and mold us into your character, Lord, and what you had designed us to be. And thank you, Lord, for that blessed hope that we can be like you. And we pray that um, we will be humble, that we will find your love is better than anything else that we could ever think or imagine, uh, better than what this world can offer, that we will be willing and desirable or desire to surrender to you and cooperate with you and the workings in our hearts. We thank you for what you put on Brother John's heart to share with us and we pray that we will continue sharing it as we live each day um, and that we will live all to your glory and we just thank you lord for blessing us through this study and that we will continue to learn and grow in you these things we pray in jesus name amen 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 Thank you for stopping by the Chat Show Podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's program. Please remember to come back for more interviews, programs, music, and others that you might enjoy. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast or YouTube channel of Chat Show.
and I hope you have a great day in the Lord. Aloha!